to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Kevin Romney. Kevin is the co-founder and chief investment officer at Camino Verde Group, where he leads the firm's efforts in the acquisition and disposition of its multifamily assets. Kevin also oversees financial planning, analysis, and underwriting. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Eileen. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show, and I'm excited to to share my story and be here with you today. Thank you so much. I'd love to hear your background and how you got started in real estate, if you could please share. Sure, sure. I'll be glad to. So I I graduated in accounting from the university and and went to work for Ernst & Winnie. That kind of dates me. But I found out really quickly that being an auditor was not very exciting and not really what I wanted to do. So I left and have been basically self-employed ever since, uh, an entrepreneur, have done, uh, you know, been involved in the call center business in the renewable energy business uh, and, and other several other businesses. Uh, and I was getting ready to, to sell my uh, renewable energy company. And uh, I have a good friend. He was on our board of advisors. His name is Mike Ballard. And, and I met with him for breakfast one day. And I said, Mike, what am I going to do if I sell this company? And, and Mike is a, a partner in Ascent Multifamily Accounting. And they do, they do the, the back office accounting for about 40,000 units nationwide. And he commented, he says, you know, I, I see the financials of our clients and I, I see what kind of potential there is in the multifamily uh, real estate industry. Uh, why don't we get involved in that? And so I did my due diligence and, and came back to Mike and said, uh, let's do it. Let's jump in. And so that was, uh, we, we actually started on February 20th, 2019. So we're one day shy of our, our second uh, anniversary. So we jumped in and started and that's kind of the genesis of the company and how it started. Oh, that's wonderful. And so can you talk a little bit on like when you first started, what did you guys do first in multifamily? Well, you know, Mike said that, you know, he talked to a lot of his clients and the way many of them got started was they frequently would go to a real estate class. Uh, and so we looked around, we found a, a real estate seminar and a class that we could go to uh, we went to that, learned uh, and got an education. And then what we did is we found mentors, good people uh, that could teach us and help us along the way. And, and I would say that's just key for anyone in this industry is find other individuals that can help you uh, along the way. Don't look at them as competitors, but look at them as potential partners. And, uh, you know, we've had some great mentors along the way that have really helped us and uh, partnered with us in several of the deals that we've done. And, and that's been a key to, to helping us get going and get off to a good start. No, no, that's great. You know, being able to leverage off someone who's more experienced and to help you get into the space and, you know, adding value to them along the way. Um, I think that's great. Yeah. And so for your first deal, what did you guys do and how are you guys were able to find it? And then um, and then what happened? So on our very first deal, it was a 36-unit uh, apartment uh, community right in the shadow of the Strip here in Las Vegas, where we're based. And we found it on market and uh, did the underwriting. The numbers looked good. We put together an offering, uh, an investor summary or package. And then we went to our friends and family. 
And we said, hey, will you invest with us? And you know, we had this much equity to, to take down this property. We found uh, we had connections with a, a good mortgage broker who was able to, to line us up with Freddie Mac small business loan and uh, just had to phone calls and phone calls and talking to people. And, and we were new and this was a, you know, we had experience in real estate before my partner had developed data centers and I developed call centers and I dabbled in some commercial uh, real estate, but we didn't have a ton of experience in the multifamily industry. So, uh, you know, we appreciate our investors and our friends and our family that took a risk with us on that first property and uh, helped us to purchase it. So after, you know, about two, two and a half months of talking to those that we knew and, uh, we were able to raise the funds and and got the deal closed. So how was it when you guys were talking to friends and family as you were raising for that first time? You know, like what was, did you guys have experience prior to raising capital and was this the first time and was it the first time that your friends and family uh, were hearing that you guys were doing something like this? So both of us, uh, my partner and I have both had a, a little bit of experience in, in raising funds, particularly my partner a little bit more than I have. But, you know, it's always gut-wrenching when you go to, to friends and family or, or others or strangers or referrals that people that they might uh, refer you to and uh, say, you know, invest with us. And, and we haven't necessarily got the track record to, to prove our worthiness. But yeah, it was just, again, going to friends and family and just talking to as many people as we could. And and it, you know, it's it's gut wrenching, and a lot of people say no, and you just smile and go on to the next one. And that's, I think, that's the key to success in this business is, you know, be determined, you know, keep moving forward. And no's come all the time, and yeses come right behind them. So you just keep after it. So after that first thirty six unit, what did you guys do afterwards? And did the ball keep starting to roll? And and as you guys got further and further into multifamily. So it did. So our next project was another 36-unit property, uh, not far from the convention center here in Las Vegas. And this one was an interesting deal. Since buying that first property, we have never purchased another property that was on market. Everything else has come to us uh, off market. So this particular broker that we used, uh, we developed a very good relationship with us, and he began to bring us uh, off-market deals. And so he brought us this deal that was owned by an acquaintance of his, and it looked good. We did our due diligence, and we liked it. You know, it was interesting though, because the gentleman who had just purchased it had only owned it for about four or five months and he'd put a little bit of money into it. And, you know, some people were saying, well, gosh, the price that he's asking, he's making an awful lot of profit. And we almost said, you know, we're not willing to pay that for it to, to give that person the profit. But one thing that we learned is if you know the industry and you do your underwriting and you know what you can put into it, there's always meat on the bone for everybody. And uh, so we were able to take that property. We purchased it for 2.7 million. We put about $300,000 in upgrades into it. And then just last month, we were able to sell it for 3.5 million. And our investors uh, made about a 15% return on their investment. It was two weeks after we bought it, we had a, a monsoon. It rained, the, the, the roofs leaked. We had the, the ceiling come off in three or four units. And you know, two or three weeks into this, we're thinking, oh boy, what did we get ourselves into? But, you know, we had the budget for the remodeling. We'd planned to repair the roofs. We hadn't planned to spend that much on the roofs. We had to replace uh, the entire roof. But we were able to trim in other parts of our budget, and uh, it all worked out okay. And we did, uh, we did well for our investors and, and uh, for ourselves on that particular uh, project. How exciting on the second deal that you guys were able to, you know, turn it around so quickly and get the investors such a great return. And so we, we were pleased and they were pleased as well. Most of them uh, have just turned around and, and rolled their investment right back into our, our next properties. 
So one of the things you mentioned was um, off mark finding off-market deals is how you found this second 36 units. Can you talk a little bit more about how you find off-market deals and some of the strategies that you guys have found um, to be the most effective? Sure. Uh, I think the best way uh, to find off-market deals is broker relationships. Take good care of your brokers, work with them, stay in touch with them. If they give you a deal or show you a deal, underwrite it quickly, uh, get back to them and say, hey, we're interested or we're not interested because of this, this, and this reason. Uh, you know, Teach them what you're looking for. And I think brokers will be delighted to work with you and bring you deals if they know you can get a deal closed. Uh, and that, that's important is once you get a property under, under contract, make sure you can take that to the finish line and, and get it closed. Another way that we've found some off-market deals is, is my partner, again, with uh, Ascent Multifamily Accounting. A lot, of their account, uh, a lot of their accounts are either owners who don't want to have a back office and they self-manage. And so they hire them to do the accounting or they are uh, property management companies that don't want to have the hassle of having to hire two or three or four or 10 bookkeepers and, and do all of the accounting. And so with his relationship with property management companies across the country, we had one of them that's uh, located in the Clarksburg, Tennessee MSA, right outside of Nashville. Uh, she called us up and actually she called us about two years ago and said, hey, I've got an off-market property. A uh, fellow bought this property. Uh, he's going to remodel it, but he might be willing to flip it and turn it. And so we started negotiating with that owner. We didn't come to terms and we didn't put the deal together. But a year down the road, uh, about 14 months down the road, she comes back to us and said, well, he's done all the remodeling and now he's ready to sell it. Are you still interested? And we said, well, absolutely we are. And so we worked a deal and we were able to put, uh, we had to raise $4 million in equity for that. We, we found some folks uh, on a 1031 exchange that wanted to come in and invest with us in the property. 258 units in that uh, near the Clarksville, Tennessee area. We we're able to purchase that one and get that one done. Again, because of a referral from uh, you know property management. So from from other property managers or like the brokers relationships um, by creating those off market deals, you know, what have you seen in terms of like let's say they send you a deal and it doesn't pan out? Do the brokers uh, see that as a negative thing if you don't submit an LOI if you don't like move forward with it? No, absolutely not. They understand that we're looking for a particular class, particular age, you know, particular you know we're looking for certain uh, economics. And if they, if they don't match, then, then as long as we get back to them and tell them, hey, this one doesn't fit with what we want to do, and if you can get back with them quickly, no, they never consider that a strike against you. Now, if you sit on the property for and don't underwrite it for three weeks and they call you four or five times and you don't ever get back to them, that's what will aggregate the brokers not saying no on a, on a particular deal. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And so 
In terms of uh, getting back to them and responsiveness and timeliness, you know, what would be a good time to get back to them, a reasonable time to get back to them after you've done your initial underwriting? Sure. So we try and get back to them within about 48 to 72 hours. We feel like they're bringing us something that's off market. Uh, you know, they'd like to get in a response as quickly as they can. And, and that's what we try to do. Sometimes it takes us a little bit longer, depending on our bandwidth and what else we have going. One of the things that we've been able to do, though, as we try and grow our business, is we've been able to outsource some of our underwriting with uh, college students. Uh, we've got a group of kids that are are uh, getting finance degrees and they they want to get a little experience with real estate under their belt. And we've been able to use some of them to help us do some underwriting when my partner and I get a little bit too busy and they can help out. And that helps us get back to brokers on a timely fashion. And so for those off-market deals, are there typically other bidders as well? So on occasion, I mean, sometimes there are, but frequently the majority of the deals that we've done that are off-market, we have not had to compete with uh, with another bidder. And that's one thing that I really like about doing off-market deals is that there's generally not another competitor. It's generally just you and the owner that are negotiating and trying to get a number that it's a win-win situation for both of you. And, you know, we're not having to go to best and final and then, you know, constantly, you know, bumping bumping the price or, or competing with someone else. So it's been great when you can deal directly with the owner and you don't have to, to worry or, or guess what the competition is bidding and doing. And so from a communication standpoint and to, you know, to stay top of mind with the brokers and to build that relationship, do you have any suggestions for that? Take them to lunch, you know, send, you know, phone calls, texts, emails, just contact, uh, just, and then letting them know that you're in the market to buy. And then again, the most important thing is once you put a contract, uh, a property under contract is delivering closing on the property. Oh, that's great. And so do you have any other advice regarding the finding off-market deals? So, you know, just you can find them in in various different places. Talk to your accountant, talk to your attorney, uh, property management companies. You know, if you want, even you can cold call if you want. And uh, uh, that's a possibility or letters. But we've found that primarily the best way we've been able to find those is just developing very, very strong and good relationships with brokers. Oh, thank you so much for sharing, Kevin. And so one of the other things that we had uh, you had mentioned earlier too was master master leasing options. Can you talk a little bit about that and you know what that entails? Sure. So the last property we purchased, uh, we purchased last month, a 22-unit property here in Las Vegas that's right across the street from the very first property that we purchased. And again, this broker, they had just acquired this potential listing. They hadn't gone out to market with it yet. And he knew that we were active in that area because we also purchased the property behind the first property that we purchased. So we've got now three properties contiguous that are right next to each other. And then about four or five doors down, we have another property under contract in that same neighborhood uh, that was brought to us by the same broker. So once he knew that property was available, you know, the first thing he did was call us up and because he knew we were interested in that area and call us up and say, hey, are you interested in this? Uh, Yes, we are. Well, here's what the seller wants. And you know, so we went went back and forth on LOIs and negotiating, and we were able to 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 put that deal together. But the neat thing about that property is that it's got a master lease on it with a, a nonprofit that helps veterans, uh, helps them find uh, housing, and keeps them housed during times of difficulty. And so, particularly in times of COVID, it's really nice to have a property that has zero vacancy and zero bad debt on it. And so we just, in purchasing that property with the master lease on it, 
we really decided that that's an area that we want to delve into a, a little bit more. Another thing that we did is we have recently partnered with uh, the second largest affordable housing developer in the country, and we are uh, have a 200-plus unit property up in North Las Vegas that we're doing from the ground up, and a 200-plus property down in Henderson uh, that we are working on. And in working with them and in working with the city and the county uh, and getting to know the individuals there, we've just come to find that there's such a need And there's lots of government funds available in order to be able to help those that are homeless, to be able to help veterans, to be able to help others that are disadvantaged. And there's opportunities in the right space uh, and with the right property to be able to put together a master lease for the entire property. And again, it's much easier to manage. Uh, There's no vacancy. There's no bad debt. And it's just a great way to to have a property when you've got uh, a master lease on it. And so if we're considering a property that has a master lease option on it, you know, what are some of the things that we should be considering? Well, great question. And so one of the first things that we did was we, you know, you need to determine who the master lease is with and how long do they intend to keep that lease going? You know, are they intending to not renew the lease? Uh, because if they don't renew the lease, one of the challenges with master leasing is if you don't renew the lease uh, or if you lose the tenant, then all of a sudden you've got a, a property that's entirely vacant. So you need to vet and check out the tenant and make sure that their intentions are to stay in the property. And that's one of the key things you want to do. You want to look at the organization itself and make sure that it's credit worthy, make sure that it has the ability to be able to continue to make those payments. Those are some of the things you need to, you need to consider and look at on a master lease. Oh, thank you, Kevin. And so for you, you know, you've been in space for a little while now and what has kind of been the biggest challenge that you've seen or you faced while you've been growing your business? Oh, so, you know, raising equity is always one of the big challenges, securing the right debt. But again, if you're just persistent and consistently continue to reach out and talk to folks, you can overcome all of those challenges. And there's lots of equity right now floating around for the right deal. And if you've got a deal that makes sense, you'll be able to find the folks that want to invest and be involved. So that's been the primary challenge. Now, as we grow and get bigger, Uh, One of the other challenges is bandwidth. Uh, We'd like to do more deals, but we've already got multiple deals in the pipeline. And so as we grow now, it's now it's time to scale. It's time to bring on other individuals and teach them and train them how to do what we do and then allow us to go on and and search for those additional properties. So uh, scaling and has been one of the challenges. Uh, And then just, you know, always finding the right people for the right deals. Uh, That's always a challenge, but nothing that's uh, insurmountable. And Kevin, are you primarily in the Las Vegas market or are you looking at other areas as well? So we are in the Las Vegas market primarily. As I mentioned, we're doing several value-add properties here. We're also doing some ground-up affordable housing, uh, also some ground-up that is not affordable housing here in Las Vegas. So that's our primary market. But we also are uh, part of the GP in four ground-up developments in the Los Angeles area. We also, as I mentioned, have this property out in uh, the... Clarksville, Tennessee, MSA area. It's actually across the border in uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And then we also are doing a master plan community up in uh, rural Ephraim, Utah. It's about an hour and 15 minutes south of the Provo area. And it's about 127 acres that we're developing where we've gone, we're going horizontal on a 44 lot subdivision uh, that we'll be putting homes on. Uh, we plan to be building an office building and townhomes uh, later this year. 
And that's been a, a great market. We love that the town there is Snow College is there and they just started their uh, first two four-year degrees. And one of them is, is software engineering. And so we're bringing employers to town that can hire those software engineers and can help the city grow and also help us to be able to develop our, our master plan community there. So that's kind of what we're working on. And so with COVID and everything that has gone on and with the pandemic in Las Vegas, you know, a lot of people have heard the tourism has gone down a lot in Las Vegas. And so since you're in that market, you know, what is your opinion about the current state of the market in Vegas? Well, certainly Vegas was hit harder than most with the pandemic. Uh, You know, the governor, uh, you know, shut down the casinos for several months. You know, the unemployment here has been high. We just dropped uh, out of the double digits and into single digits on on unemployment. And so uh, unemployment here is still high. But the thing about Las Vegas is it's very resilient. It's not the same city that it was back in 2008, 2009 during the Great Recession. We've diversified. We have more industry. It's not exclusively an entertainment town and a gaming town. And so because of that, I believe very strongly in the Vegas economy. And things will bounce back as soon as we get past COVID. People, there's going to be a pent up desire to go out and do something and go somewhere. And Vegas is going to be at the top of the list. And so we're just very bullish on Las Vegas. And I will tell you that during the pandemic, our the vacancy rates here in Las Vegas actually went down, and our rents actually went up. In fact, I we were in the top five major metropolitan areas for rent growth during the pandemic. And a lot of that is coming from uh, California. Uh, I was on a call with some analysts about uh, a month and a half ago, and one of them said that a, a trickle from California is a tidal wave for Nevada. And so about we learned that one out of every new homes being bought in Las Vegas is being bought from by someone coming from California. So we've actually seen uh, you know vacancies drop and rent grow even during the pandemic and even during uh, large unemployment for, for the city. So we believe in Las Vegas, it's coming back. And uh, we think that, you know, within 12 to 18 months, we'll be right back on top of things where we were before. Awesome. Appreciate that insight, Kevin. Yeah. And so what is next for you and your company? So we just, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to scale. We're going to bring on some, uh, we expect that probably within the next two to three months, we'll be bringing on some additional staff. We like the development uh, direction that we're headed, so we intend to continue to develop properties from the ground up, but we also love acquisition of value-add properties, and we've made a lot of inroads. We've met a lot of investors and joint venture partners that will help us and and work with us uh, in that regard, so we plan to continue to acquire. Uh, We plan to continue to develop, and uh, we're excited about the future and uh, what it holds for us. Awesome. And so, Kevin, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? You know, it's been a great, a great thing. I, I was a little bit burned out in the business that I had before. And so this has just been really exciting. And, you know, I will tell you this. I really, really wish that I had gotten into real estate when I was 30 years old instead of in my older uh, years. This is a great industry. And I highly recommend it to anyone who is motivated and can go out and do and make things happen. If you're just persistent and stay at it and uh, continue to work hard and partner with folks and and get some great mentors, uh, this is a wonderful industry to be in. And it has really been a a great blessing and a boon to my life. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate? You know, again, I think it's just the determination and the stick-to-itiveness. 
And you have to be courageous. I mean, taking it, buying that first property, yeah, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit nerve wracking. And so you have to have confidence in yourself and be willing to go out and, and make that step. So I think if you're, if you're courageous and you're determined and just stick to itiveness and, and a doggedness to stay after it, I think you can succeed in this, this industry, industry if you've got some great mentors and partners to work with. So Kevin, do you have any tools or techniques that you can share that you've used to improve the efficiency of your life or your business? So one of the things that we do is we use Sharpspring, and that's been very helpful as far as our CRM goes. Uh, you know, we can send emails out and, and with Sharpspring, we can tell whether those people, you know, how many people opened them. Uh, we can tell who has opened them. We can tell them if, they, if they've clicked through to, to our website and how much interest they might have. In fact, it actually gives a score to potential individuals who've received emails from us. And so th- those things are valuable and helpful. It also automates things so that you're not sitting, you know, sending out one me- email at a time necessarily. Although many times we do that, especially to our preferred investors. But yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do to automate. There's software out there that can help you with your underwriting as well. And we've dabbled with that. We've generally got our own proprietary software that, that helps us do the underwriting. So uh, all of those things are time-saving and, and uh, very helpful uh, as far as making us more efficient. Oh, thank you so much for sharing, Kevin. I really appreciate that. And thank you also for sharing your story and your journey and how you got to where you are, and especially talking about finding off-market deals from brokers and property managers and other people within your network, as well as master lease options. And so if our listeners wanted to find out more about you, Kevin, and what you do, where can they go? So you can go to our website, www.caminoverdigroup.com. And uh, you can uh, check on, you can learn about us there. We've got a portfolio page. You can see our portfolio and about us has our biographies. uh, So you can learn about us there. Also, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'm more than happy to talk to folks. My email address is kevin at caminoverdigroup.com. And I would be delighted to speak to anyone who's uh, looking to get into the business or to, uh, you know, may have some potential deals out there that they might want us to look at. We'd be glad to speak to folks. We had other people mentor us and now we need to pay it back and we're glad to mentor other folks as well. Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate everything. I think it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for the invitation. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.